From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Be on the lookout and alert for anything out of the ordinary. Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn. Thank you for your cooperation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning, and uh, if you, you can't uh, see already, uh, I have my TNT merchandise on. Um, I'm uh, we- wearing it and showing that you can get it on our TNT store. Uh, happy Hump Day! Uh, it's not any old Hump Day; it's Happy Christmas Hump Day. We are che- we are no Wednesday, the twentieth uh, of December already. Can you believe it? We are live, of course, uncensored, unscripted, unedited, uh, and if you haven't already seen Rick's very handsome appearance or Gemma's beautiful face, you can get online and see us and live stream us on any of the major platforms or our website ourselves, tntradio.live. So get on there. And of course, don't forget our online chat. It is the best part of the show. Uh, Lots of giggles yesterday, lots of things that I couldn't even read out on air. So don't miss out uh, a special mention to Jock who was uh, making me laugh yesterday uh, throughout. Um, And we've got an awards day on Friday to look forward to. Uh, We thought we'd do a roundup of the crazy world of 2023. Uh, Things like grifter of the year, uh, most memorable story of the year. Get uh, anything that you can think of as well. Get in the online chat. Tell us what you think. Any awards that you want to see. My kids have finished school today. It's the last day of school for many uh, kids all around the country. Uh, the most positive thing that I can think of as well so far with Christmas is traffic has improved in Reading. Uh, it's one of the worst places, I think, in the UK. In rush hour, it will take you an hour to get from one side of the town centre probably to the other. It took me about 10 minutes yesterday, so woohoo, there are benefits to Christmas. Uh, so that's got to be a good thing. Um, and uh, where am I going now? On Monday, I had an appointment, I told you, at the Eye Consultant. So I thought I'd give you a little update about it because coincidentally, it happens to be on the day we were talking about statins and the fact that they actually could cause heart disease. So the positive from it, they took pictures of my eye. Uh, they had to put drops and stuff in them to check. Uh, it has uh, the bleed in my eye has reduced significantly. So I'm really pleased, and I thought he's going to say, you know, be really positive about it. He showed me the two pictures. It's also a massive wake up call in terms of my tension headaches because uh, he said basically I was from the last time I was very very ill. He said you were very close to an aneurysm or a stroke uh the bleed was that bad uh and i saw the picture and how it has improved which is great but what he did say is well we can't guarantee that can happen again and we don't really know the reason why and i said well we do know the reason why we know it's because of the two tension headaches that i came in with terrible blood pressure and he said well we can't guarantee that so uh despite not even taking my blood pressure he took the blood pressure that was taken when i went in on the ambulance and he sent a letter to my gp telling me i need to be put on blood pressure meds and statins and uh that's without even taking my blood pressure so i got home and i took my blood pressure and it was a normal 125 over 80 so uh Apparently, uh, that is what consultants are doing at the NHS. Without even taking your blood pressure, they are they are basically sales representatives 
for big pharma because there is no way that I need to take that. I've been I've been doing so well. I've re- I've, I've reduced alcohol uh, significantly only a little bit recently. I've uh, changed my diet. I do a sports massage. I've increased my exercise. I've got my blood pressure right down. I've only had barely any tension headaches. So do you know what I say? No, I'm not going to be doing that and I will be fighting them all the way. So I thought I'd give you an update on that and a, a, a positive one to, uh, you know, keep fighting them. You don't have to always listen to the experts because I don't believe that me being on blood pressure meds or statins at 41 years old is a very good idea. Maybe only for big farmers profits uh, moving forward. So uh, time to introduce the lovely Rick and Gemma here at uh, TNT Radio. Don't go away. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Morning, guys. I'm sure you agree. I don't think I should take the doctor's advice, do you? Uh, no, it's very interesting that you happen to be talking about statins, and uh, we covered this story. Was it on Monday? Then you go to yeah, the hospital and the, or the doc, and the first thing they do is whip out the prescription pad and uh, prescribe you with some statins. I don't know who's listening to TNT Radio at the minute. I think yeah. there's billions, billions of people listening in us, and I think your doctor's one of them. We know we have friends and enemies in high places, and your GP. I think we can tick off the TNT listeners list because obviously uh, he whipped out the prescription pad without even taking your blood pressure probably just to punish you for highlighting the dangers of statins well, it was the, the it was the uh, eye consulting at the Royal Berkshire Hospital, but um, yeah, apparently uh, my cholesterol was on the high side. Uh, didn't even give me uh, the amount, uh, but no, I, I, I'm, I'm still shocked that you could uh, put someone on blood pressure meds without even taking their blood pressure. That that to me is, that is still really something, Gemma. Well, they're not even trying to hide it, are they? They're basically like, look, I just want my kickback. I just want my 1% for yeah. flogging you this drug yeah. that you absolutely do not need. And no mention, no mention of diet or exercise. Did he even okay. ask you, you know, what exercise nope. are you doing? You're going for a walk every day. All that kind of normal stuff that five nope. years ago we saw in every headline. Isn't it ridiculous? Bloody hell. So, yeah, yeah, he literally asked me nothing. Even even I said, you know, I said I've even uh, uh, I've come off uh, the pill and I said to reduce breeding and I meant bleeding. Um, we did laugh <laughs> at that at least. Um, but, uh, you know, I said everything that I'd done. He wasn't interested. The only thing he was interested in is writing to the GP. He said there's no he basically said to me, I'm not going to argue. He said there's no choice. You have to do this if you want to save your life. And I just thought. Uh, I may as well just say it, stay at home then, shall I? I thought almost it came with a tagline, stay at home, save lives, take your blood pressure meds, take your statins and keep feeding big pharma. Uh, but no, I am. I will not comply. I haven't complied from the start and I will continue not complying. Gemma, what story have you got for us today? Well, it's, it's a bit of a kind of a theme of not compliance, actually. I mean, you know, in case there's any doubt that there is many, many globalist agendas upon us, a big pharma being one, uh, the relentless push to the cashless society is another one. And there are two stories that have broken here uh, this morning in the UK. They're not from the UK. They're from different countries around the world, very different countries. But it's interesting to show um, the kind of pushback in one area, which it's effectively come from the poor um, and, and a richer society, which is the, the, the march towards the cashless agenda looks like it's going to be complete by 2030 and it's kind of like I'm looking at these stories thinking I wonder which approach 
will win. So I'm going to start with the good news approach, which is a story that's broken out of India today. And it's from the uh, Reserve Bank of India. And it's showing how cash is on the rise in India really quite significantly, despite um, digital payments increasing too, but cash is increasing more and it is winning. So this comes off of uh, something that happened a few years ago in India, where uh, the government in its wisdom decided to scrap two low currency banknotes, the uh, 500 rupee and the 1000 rupee, which is effectively only five and 10 pound notes. So you could argue not that low currency. Um, They said it was to... um, curb undisclosed wealth, stop corruption. Um, and But it, it kind of backfired because there was just chaos outside of ATMs and banks as the lower income in Indian families couldn't get these banknotes. Um, seven years later, they're looking at this decision because cash is hugely gaining ground. The Reserve Bank of India says that compared to um, the previous decade, the circulation of cash in 2020 and 2021, this is pandemic times, don't forget, scamdemic, sorry, um, it it went up to 16.6% compared to 12.7% the previous decade. That's quite a big leap when you consider how many people there are in um, India. Now, digital payments are on the rise as well, thanks to technology in that country, but on the rise of technology. But for most Indians, the bank is saying cash is the most valuable precautionary measure. Households are stocking up on cash, uh, using it for groceries, dining out, takeouts, personal services. That's kind of a quite a broad term there. And home repairs. Now, I don't know if you guys have been to India. I know you've traveled extensively in Africa, Rick, but I've been to India several times and it is an exceptionally poor country for most people. The caste system is alive and well. I think it's 70 to 75% are still classed as untouchable, something like that. Most of the country does live in extreme poverty, Uh, even though the economy is booming, it's only booming for some. Um, So I think this is a kind of attempt by lower caste Indians or lower income families to kind of really take control of their money. It is working and it does kind of give hope that, uh, and even the government is thinking, mm, you know, if we want to keep the economy going, maybe we need to bring the low income bank, uh, lower income rupee banknotes back into circulation. So I think that's kind of a win in one approach. But then there's another story that's come out of Australia. Um, I know it's evening time in Australia now, but this morning, lunchtime, um, 7-Eleven, huge chain, massive, obviously, global chain, the convenience stores, have announced that they're looking at 752 stores across parts of Australia and are, and are going to make them cashless and take away the ATMs and instead put you know high offer products in their place. They say that it's a response to consumer behavior. I think there's an indication here that 7-Eleven are leading consumer behavior. It's already trialed cashless in Melbourne and Brisbane uh, and implemented smart checkouts apps, you have to have a phone. Um, And as 7-Eleven is such a big company, such a huge corporation, no doubt owned by another huge corporation, you have to have to ask yourself, has somebody had a quick word in their ear and said, you know, help us out with this agenda and we'll we'll kind of help you too, because we all know that's how it works at the very top levels. So I know the cashless society debate is actually quite divisive in our so-called freedom community. I know a lot of people have traded in Bitcoin and see that as the way forward. Even some of our own presenters here on TNT, I mean, I've had kind of robust debates with James Freeman on the Freeman Report. I'm very much cash. I've got all the little badges that say cash is king, use it or lose it. They're on my shopping bags. They're on my coats. I look like a crazy person when I go to the store, but I use cash. He's kind of the other way. You know, he's a bit more like, I see where you're going with this, but I the convenience, which of course is how it's dressed up. He says, you aren't always in a place where, where you can access cash and you, you need to use cards. So I know that it's a story that kind of splits us in a way, um, not, not too polarizing, but it is an issue up for debate. But those two countries are very, very different. 
One, I think that agenda is being governed by poorer people who are using cash. Australia is a richer country where cash seems to be on its way out. But we can't ignore these agendas. They are upon us. So that's two breaking stories today which show two very different approaches. And I know which one I hope wins. Um, I'm with you, Gemma, by the way. I uh, I try and use cash uh, wherever I go. And I try and, uh, what, when I'm using it, try to tell the other person as well, oh, I'm using cash, let's keep it going. I try and uh, try and sell the cash is king mantra. Uh, what about you, Rick? I know, well, yeah. and by the way, I'm not saying I don't use my card. I'm not going to sit here and say I only use cash and I'm never, I never get my card out because I'd be lying if I said that I wouldn't use that for convenience sometimes either. Right. Yeah, I'm using a cash more now than I have in a very, very long time. And uh, even before the scandemic years, I think people were naturally gravitating towards using debit cards or chip and pin yes. cards and, you know, tap and go cards. Uh, but now I think uh, that the, 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 the truth is coming out there and the squeeze is really being felt by a lot of people. Banks are closing down and they're trying to, they're damnedest to remove cash from society or at least push people into that mindset. I think now is the time that we'll have to kick back against that more than ever. And interesting, Gemma, uh, that story from India, uh, the top headline on that is the, the, the removal of those two Indian banknotes. The government claims was a twofold reason for that. Number one uh, was to combat corruption. And number two, interestingly, was to curb undeclared wealth. And if everything else was stripped out of that news article, those would be uh, the three words to take away from it, curbing undeclared wealth. Cash is king. Cash allows you to retain anonymity. When you're doing transactions, it enables you to retain control. And of course, some people, of course, trade in business and they use uh, they like to use cash only. And it's very difficult uh, to trace exactly what their takings are. And obviously, they don't have to pay as much tax if they're slipping a little bit uh, outside of the till. Not that we encourage that, of course, but some people do it. So cash most definitely is king. And let's hope uh, that this trend continues upwards, not just in India, but uh, in the UK too. There's a lot more uh, cash transactions happening now here as well. So that is uh, encouraging. And, it's and encouraging. We... Oh, yeah, you go, Gemma. I was going to say it's it's very encouraging. You know, the Indian approach is extremely encouraging because the government said one thing, uh, and we're taking away your banknotes, and the Indian people said. Well, no, you're not. We're still going to continue to use cash, but it's the corporate influence, isn't it? You're talking, Natalie, about the influence of Big Pharma, you know, and that, you know, you went into a hospital and they were like, basically, you you just got to do what we tell you, take these drugs. Exactly. Um, and it's the 7-Eleven saying, well, you got to behave like we want you to behave. We're taking away the cash That's machines. It. So it's how you skirt around the issue if there really is no access to cash. How will we work? We talk a lot on TNT about building the new. And we we are at war with these institutions, these great big monoliths that run our lives, whether it's big pharma or co corporate greed. It's how we take them on. Um, if they just say, well, ha, 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 we're taking away your cash machines. You can't even have cash now. Deal with that one, which I think we will. I think we're intelligent enough and 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 fired up enough, actually, to to take the corporations on now. But it's, um, it's a difficult one. If you hadn't had the confidence to stand up to your uh, consultant yesterday or your GP and say, no, I'm not doing it you might have felt quite browbeaten into complying you see and that, this yeah. is where we are i think with cash too yeah i agree i was going to say we have covered a story there earlier in the year that cash uh, uh the use of cash in the uk has gone up um which is uh, encouraging uh but unfortunately we've also covered stories where bank are increasing charges for small businesses to take cash as well so not that that you know they're 
putting our but yeah it's, it's a war against it essentially like mm. rick said yeah they are going to keep putting in things that are going to make it harder and harder to use cash i just want to say before we close the story this is something i personally do every week i go to a cash point every uh monday at the start of the week and uh take out as, as whatever money i think i'm going to spend because i think if every single person could go to a cash atm every week and everybody's using cash you know even if you don't even use the cash that week at a shop and then you take it to the next week or whatever you're still using that atm if we're using them it's very hard for them to justify taking them away so yeah get out there and and, and use the cash machine use it or lose it that's what i say and uh thank you Gemma for bringing that to our attention because we cannot forget and uh, we need the constant reminder that cash is king so we will mm. see you tomorrow and we have got lots more stories to cover here at TNT Radio you should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about I see there's a new trend taking place sweeping uh the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk are you sitting comfortably? Oh, yes, yes. Then I'll begin. Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking the talk. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, we are rocking and uh, we're rocking in our black uniform as mm. usual. So nobody can say we are discriminatory. <laughs> we, we are always uh, advocating wearing black. Um, we are going to move to Africa now. We've already discussed India. We've discussed Australia. Uh, this is this when uh, Rick sent it through. I couldn't quite believe this story about Rwanda. Um, it almost proves to me that uh, we hear a lot about like Bill Gates pushing the next pandemic. But uh, it would seem they very much have got uh, the idea, don't they, Rick, of uh, pushing another vaccine soon in Africa? Yeah, uh, you know, a question, so many questions were raised, Natalie, last year, last August time, or even just before last summer, whenever Rwanda was introduced into the world's vocabulary. You know, these words, these countries keep hearing that nobody really knows anything about. And all of a sudden, last year, we got a taste of Rwanda, it hasn't gone away in 2023. They're talking about it now again in terms of a, a, a hub to send uh, illegal immigrants to and keep them in uh, you know, sub-Saharan Africa. And now we have a different type of story uh, around Rwanda where strangely uh, it is undergoing the construction of the first mRNA vaccine factory 
in Rwanda itself. So basically, uh, African leaders, including uh, Paul Kagame, who is the president or the head of uh, Rwanda, Ghana's Nana Akufo, and the African Union chairperson, Musa Faki Mahmat, have attended the yeah, well, you know, I'm just winging it here. I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to fact check me on my pronunciation in this in the live chat. But anyway, they, they attended the inauguration of the first BioNTech site in Rwanda. So it's a German biotechnology firm uh, setting up a pr production hub on the continent aiming to boost access to mRNA jabs specifically in Africa. And we talked before about East Africa. You have Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda on the east. You have Nigeria on the left there, two very important hubs uh, in Africa. If uh, there's, uh, should we say, shenanigans and skullduggery going to be done, there two hotspots for it to happen. And here we have now uh, an mRNA BioNTech vaccine production plant being tooled up and ramped up in Rwanda to expose Africans, more Africans, to mRNA because they famously shunned the shots during the scandemic years. They, they weren't having any of it, but now they want to uh, introduce it to more Africans, which of course they will say is for their for their good, for the greater good. But, uh, you know, BioNTech, Pfizer, uh, we think their motives are something a little bit more sinister. Yeah, absolutely. The co-founder or the CEO of, uh, of BioNTech says, we want to contribute to build a sustainable, resilient vaccine ecosystem. The essence of our contribution here in Africa is clear. Potential future vaccines need to be produced in Africa for Africa, addressing regional needs and global standards. Ugh. What a load of mm. uh, commercial uh, mm. vomit. But uh, it also says uh, here that um, it was started to build the factory in 2000. Uh, no, it expects it to finish it in 2024. And Rwanda then will distribute vaccines to 55 member African Union, Union bloc states. So, um, you know, this is quite a big undertaking. Uh, definitely uh, something that was important, worth bringing to the table here today. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's Rwanda, I thought the same thing as you. I reckon they've taken some serious money, uh, mm -hmm. the uh, Rwanda uh, government, because uh, obviously we're supposed to be sending uh, immigrants out. I don't think that will happen. But the fact that their their kind of country is coming out so much up on all the WEF plans, there's some serious money going uh, behind closed doors. I think with their government, Rick. Yeah, and it's interesting that it went to Rwanda as well. Uh, the countries in East Africa that we mentioned do have ties, strong ties with the World Economic Forum, but. Rwanda, if you look at it on a map, it's worth checking out just to get an idea of the size and scale of it. It's such, such a small country. And there's the huge Uganda sitting right beside it. And then Kenya, uh, two countries across, is absolutely massive and infinitely more developed than Rwanda. So it's quite odd to me that that massive $150 million mRNA production contract went to little minnow Rwanda rather than one of the bigger fish, uh, Tanzania, Kenya, or um, uh, Uganda for that matter. So yeah, I'm trying to figure that one out too, because they're all, uh, how would you say, easily corrupted over there. But Rwanda, they, they clinched it. 
They clinched they, it, so uh, they've got something going on at the moment, haven't they? Yeah. What? What? Something why are they getting off. everything? Some something yeah. is going on behind closed doors that we don't quite know about. It also mm -hmm. has says this uh, kind of vaccine factory or hub. It says has the potential to expand manufacturing capacity for other vaccine and products. Surprise, surprise, such as insulin to treat diabetes, cancer medications, and potentially vaccines for diseases such as malaria, tuberculosis, and HIV. This sounds to me like it's africa's like big pharma sales headquarters mm -hmm. it's this it's exactly what big pharma wants this isn't just necessarily about the next pandemic they're not making enough money in africa right now are they rick this this essentially no. is a way to start making a lot more money those africans aren't like us they're not taking enough blood pressure meds and they're not taking enough statins and they're gonna try it and they're gonna start in rwanda aren't they yeah, and it's worth noting, Natalie, as well, this is coming against a backdrop of crashing big pharma share prices. So Pfizer's share price has been absolutely decimated. And of course, Pfizer, BioNTech, yes. uh, they were responsible for the distribution and sales of most of these uh, COVID mRNA shots. So maybe just maybe uh, they've done the market research and they've almost written off uh, doing business like they have been doing in Europe. But then you look at the continent of yes. Africa, you look at those billions of souls there that they can uh, potentially jab or get needles into their arms and notice as well how they say that that place would be used as a to ship stuff out to 55 different African countries. So, of mm. course, Big Pharma are probably rubbing their paws together, licking their lips with glee at the thought of all those uninjected so far. African arms. Uh, let's hope this one falls in its face too, because uh, knowing the Africans and their distrust of, uh, how would you say, white pharmaceutical companies and people coming in wanting to stick needles in their children's arms, let's hope this one falls flat in its face. But they are going ahead with it in the meantime. Well I mean, my understanding is that they really will struggle compared to they have in the Western world, because part of the reason they were able to push uh, so much of uh, the kind of vaccines or, or like we were saying, blood pressure meds, big pharma medications in general is propaganda used via the Internet. And and there's so much poverty in Africa, isn't there, Rick, that, yeah. that I just yeah. don't think they're going to be able to push the propaganda in the same way. Watch and see how they will come in on the malaria attack, okay? They will use malaria, mRNA shots yeah. against malaria as the primary way in. The COVID, people yeah. weren't buying it. Uh, people understand malaria in sub-Saharan Africa. I've had it myself. Yeah. It almost killed me uh, when I was in Uganda. So if you can roll out a product to tackle malaria, maybe they'll run and take it. If it's a product to tackle COVID, they'll have absolutely nothing to do with it. So watch out. Top tip for yes. 2024. Watch for the push of mRNA malarial shots in Africa because everything else and, they're flogging a dead horse. And remember who's behind uh, the malaria shots as well. Mm -hmm. It's obviously the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Of course, you wouldn't expect anything less. Uh, we're going to oh. take a quick break now for the headlines and uh, we're going to come back and talk about Africa again, but this time in Sudan uh, here mm. at TNT Radio. Turn on the news. I have a little news flash. TNT Radio News. Matt Boylant here with your TNT headlines. The United Nations Children's Fund has expressed outrage over the situation in Gaza, where close to 8,000 Palestinian children are now said to have been killed in Israel's brutal bombardment. A top British minister has seemingly defended an Israeli sniper who shot and killed a Christian mother and her daughter at a church in Gaza. And the UN has condemned Kiev's crackdown on the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, saying banning the largest Christian church in the country could violate human rights. 
Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Yeah, welcome back. We're trying to keep you up to date here on Open Line on all global issues because we know the mainstream media, they try to direct us uh, to to the subjects that they want to see, the narrative that they want you to read. So we search high and low and we make sure you're getting out all the information, not just what the mainstream media want you to hear. So this one was uh, hidden in uh, Sky News. I didn't really see it anywhere else. And it just shows you uh, that if you're talking about uh, war, if you're talking about uh, atrocity, death, then it's only uh, you'll hear if the mainstream media want you to. So you hear about Ukraine, you'll hear about Israel, but are our people hearing about Sudan and the problems there, Rick? No, we're not hearing anything at all about it, Natalie. And the numbers here that are being bandied about are insane. So in Sudan, yeah. uh, Sudan is a very volatile place. And again, it sits just on top of Kenya in the same region as Rwanda, funnily enough. Uh, it's more or less split in half. You've got North and South Sudan. There's a lot of war going on, people arguing over land and resources and rights and tribalism. So Sudan unrest is now growing as more than 250,000 people. That's a quarter of a million people flee a safe zone mm -hmm. after after it is taken over by uh, the militia responsible for the Darfur uh, destruction. So the city of Wad Madani has been captured by the rapid support forces uh, the Janaweed militia, notorious for raising Darfur to the ground, uh, women left the region uh, fearing the worst. So there's a massive humanitarian crisis going on there. There's a quarter of a million people fleeing the area. Of course, where are they going to go? Uh, Sudan, if you keep on traveling north, you know, you'll pass through uh, into Egypt or Libya. And from Egypt and Libya, uh, you can hop on a boat and get yourself across the Mediterranean and land in Italy or Spain. And then, of course, we could be seeing the beginning of another massive movement here, sadly, of people fleeing from an area of genuine persecution and war and terror. But no doubt, uh, watch and see the British government, for example, and the European Union saying, well, we have to take them in. We have to help these people out who would refuse help to such a, a persecuted people. And of course, many of these people will potentially end up on our shores as well, further exacerbating our uh, financial woes here as well. So it's just a mess altogether, Natalie and uh, Sudan. Oh, it's I mean, the situation reading it is absolutely awful. A lot of these people had already fled to this uh, uh, region because they were trying to get to a safe place and now they're having to do it again. There's some awful uh, uh, like quote here uh, from somebody from a kid's care home. And a lot of these children, um, it says in this home, he says, I have 202 infants. Half of them have special needs, physical disabilities, and devices attached to their heads um they've already been moved uh some of them um and a lot of them died on that on on route it's, it's possibly going to happen again uh if that hospital um uh, gets you know ransacked by by the militia i think those those poor children uh are probably all going to be killed because they can't they, you can't just keep moving children who are attached uh to to monitors um, it, it's a very, very sad situation. And what, what are we going to hear anything? Why, why, Rick, are the people in Sudan not as important as the people in Palestine or the people in Ukraine? What, what makes a life important? And uh, that, that's what I would say. You know, wh how come 
is the main thing to take from this story is how come we're not allowed to hear about this? What what why is uh, people in Africa? It's always been a thing. It's like, oh, I was oh people in Africa. Never mind. It doesn't matter. It just the stories in Africa do not seem to make the headlines, do they? No, and the scale, they're way off the charts in terms of scale compared to what we're hearing about in uh, the yeah. West. And also, uh, what about the women's rights groups? Uh, why are they not up in arms about uh, the mass rapes and the tortures that are happening on women, the brutalization of women uh, in Sudan uh, as well? Uh, that's brushed under the carpet. These women are absolutely terrified for their life. Uh, these militia yes. groups, they're absolutely unhinged. They're crazy. They're they are savages through and through, and they use rape as a weapon of war. They use it to terrify communities they use it to make people flee because they think well if that army gets into reading or it gets into belfast or it gets into somewhere else you know we know what's coming for the women and the children and the men as well so they're fleeing for genuine terror not like uh, and they've really got nowhere else to go so and um, worth noting as well you know in terms of you know people's awareness we're talking about rwanda all the time you know there was a genocide that happened there in in the 90s it's only what 30 years ago there was a million people nearly a million people killed within the space of a month uh, by people with machetes and machine guns uh ethnic you know uh, the hutus and the tutsis killing each other in rwanda a million people in a month, and that only happened 30 years ago, but yet when people talk about Rwanda, they're talking about it in relation of, uh, you know, mass uh, uh, immigration schemes immigration. or, you know, mRNA factories. You know, that that country has a history of some of the worst, most vicious barbarity known to man, and it only happened 30 odd years ago. So, yeah, when things go off in these countries, they go off in a horrific fashion, and this could be the beginning of it here in Sudan. Yeah, and I see, obviously, it's carrying on everywhere. You know, I stand with Palestine, uh, what you're seeing, or, or even I stand with Israel. Uh, you're seeing protests repeatedly. I haven't seen any I stand with Sudan. I haven't nope. seen anything on social media. I haven't seen anything in the uh, mainstream media. So we will continue here on TNT and on Open Line to bring you these stories and to keep you updated with the actual world news, not just what the agenda and the narrative want you to read. Um, and and uh, going straight to the mainstream media, uh, this is about, um, I, I just, I, you know, the, the person that makes your screen crawl the most i think for me uh it would be matt hancock the other one is piers morgan there is something mm. about that man that just uh, he's slimy uh narcissistic i don't trust a word he says you may have just seen the interview recently with him standing outside of i don't know if it was his door or standing outside a building saying um you've got no evidence about me phone hacking i'm absolutely innocent i didn't believe a word of it but he did look scared for the first time i did wonder maybe that's why he's been towing the line for the last three years maybe they've been threatening him and saying if you don't we're going to take you to court over phone hacking and we're going to ex expose you because this is what now's happened so prince harry uh has uh taken uh the, the mirror to court and he's won. Uh, they said, yes, uh, a lot of these stories came out from you phone hacking. And now uh, a lot of the other victims are asking for it to be taken back to court and for the police to reopen the investigation because they're saying, well, hold on a minute. If it was true for him, why shouldn't people take real accountability and why shouldn't we get justice? And for me, this is an important one because I believe they should get justice because it also sets a precedent. But because the government 
government then can stop not looking at our phones. Because if the mirror can phone hack, the government can phone hack our phones. So I say reopen the investigation, Rick. Make sure Piers Morgan, of all people, get his comeuppance and make sure that phone hacking is completely and utterly illegal, is what I would say. Yeah, it's interesting, as you say, Morgan puts on this facade that he's so black, uh, brazen you know blase and he's so brash and you know he shouts people down when he's taking interviews but you can tell a lot Natalie by body language I could be screaming my head off at you or you could be screaming my, your head off at me but when you look someone in the eyes the eyes they say are the windows to the soul and it gives an awful lot away so that uh, sort of deer caught in the headlights look from Morgan when he was confronted about that maybe tells more than any of his mouthing or his gaunching uh, when he's actually I on live so. TV and of course as well People, uh, I, I believe in people's right to privacy. Uh, they, you know, we would we would be the first people to start screaming if our phones were hacked as well. However, people like Morgan and uh, let's just say comings and goings uh, should be revealed next year. Not re relating directly to this, but uh, apparently a judge in America has said that at the beginning of next year they will release uh, some of 150 or 170 names from the Epstein clan list will be released next year now whether or not that you know that could well just be a diversion it's maybe not going to happen or it'll be blocked at the last minute but i would say if it does happen let's assume it does happen there's got to be a lot of squeaky bums out there of people that were uh, directly linked with epstein and of course uh morgan was famously pictured hobnobbing with epstein and gillian maxwell on many an occasion so they say you know birds of a feather flock together that's all i'm going to say about that one so yeah maybe yeah. morgan's a little bit rattled for reasons that we don't even know about at the minute i think for me when i was looked back on it um you know it was bad enough that they were doing celebrities but when i found that they were trying to phone hack millie dowler uh that obviously yeah. the young girl that was murdered i think that took it to a whole new level so as soon as i see the phone hacking anything to do with the phone hacking i think you know how low can you be what type of scum can you be we talk about paparazzi or mainstream media being awful but but you know phone hacking a a, a murdered little girl uh mm. for your own uh, uh basically to make money for your own promotion it's as bad yeah. as you get and piers morgan was 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 a hundred percent behind it so as far as i'm concerned you know uh throw the book at him and looking mm -hmm. at how scared he was maybe maybe he is scared as well about that epstein client list mm -hmm. maybe that's why they've released it they might not have any intention of those people ever uh actually or that list getting released but maybe it's scaring people into submission and making sure they comply, uh, these celebrities, with exactly what they're supposed to be doing in the narrative, because mm. that certainly looked what like Piers Morgan was doing uh, to, when I saw him this week. But we shall see. We've got to take another quick break, and we've got lots more stories to cover here at TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Did Joe Biden just defraud the federal government? Is he guilty of theft of services in filing a false document? What am I talking about? Well, Marine One isn't free. Passengers have to be listed on the official passenger manifest and they're billed for the transportation between Joint Base Andrews and the White House, just as passengers on Air Force One are billed by the Air Force. So who was on the helicopter but wasn't on the manifest today? Well, that would be one Hunter Biden. Can you just imagine the outcry 
the calls for impeachment, and likely a criminal and a civil trial against President Donald Trump if it had been Don Jr., Eric, Laura, Ivanka, Jared, Tiffany, or Baron Trump that had hitched a ride for free. We don't need to ask the question. We all know what the hue and cry would be. And again, it's the double standard that is intolerable. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at his stats. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. residential areas by... And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious. Some are easy to miss. But they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. The conversation continues with Rick Munn and Natalie Cheel on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. Uh, welcome back. Uh, we got a story. I'm going to put it over to Rick in a moment because it's uh, about a school in Ireland. But I wanted to say before this so we can kind of put it against it and the hypocrisy. Right here in Reading recently, a head teacher, Ruth Perry, committed suicide after an Ofsted inspection uh, said that there were safeguarding problems because basically there was some bullying in the uh, playgrounds and uh, uh, that it when you compare what's happening to this school in Ireland as a direct comparison uh, uh, safeguarding Rick so do you think uh, uh, who was who was uh, uh, less safe or, or or more at risk do you think they uh, tip the 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 pupils at Ruth Perry's school, who they told her suddenly she had a school that wasn't safe? Or do you think this school in Ireland we're going to talk about is probably less safe right at the moment? This one uh, takes the biscuit. As you know, this is a, a topic that we cover a lot because it affects so many people in the United Kingdom, in Ireland, in America, in Australia. There's very few places are escaping from the scourge of uh, mass immigration or mass migration, illegal or not, and simply because, listen, we're not racists and xenophobes here, but the, we've got a huge homeless problem in Ireland. Uh, Irish people don't have roofs over their uh, heads. So, you know, to bring in an extra couple of hundred thousand people and tell people that the borders are open, it doesn't matter where they're coming from. They could be coming from Wales or Scotland or England. We've got nowhere to put people. You know, it's not racist to say that Ireland is full. It's just a statement of fact. So as this uh, revelation is dawning on more and more people and we realize there's nowhere to put them, alternative accommodations are being sought. And of course, we've looked at office blocks being repurposed. We've looked at uh, small villages being overrun by men. Army barracks are being used. B&Bs are being used. But this one, Natalie, of all the stories that I've seen, takes the this one takes the biscuit. So parents concerned as 251 refugees are to be housed on the grounds of a Limerick primary school. Primary school, 251. On the grounds. On the grounds of that's, the school. So, that's what I was uh, saying. Safeguarding. This is real. 
This is real. Yeah. Uh, this is reported out by Gripped, uh, Grip Media over in Ireland. And you can check out their website, by the way, which is gripped.ie. But uh, the parents of a child attending the Salesians Primary School in Limerick City have expressed concerns after learning as many as 251 refugees are to be housed on the school grounds of a primary school. Okay, so uh, the owners of the site, Limerick 2030, uh, you know, calling themselves 2030, probably after Agenda 2030, have entered into an agreement with the Department of Children, Equality, Disability, Integration and Youth to use for an 18-month period with the centre to open in January. So we're talking, Natalie, in uh, two weeks' time. Two weeks' time, these men are going to be in there. I don't know what the breakdown is, but I would say there'll be a lot of men in there. Ukrainian refugees are to be housed in the former secondary school building on the primary school grounds, uh, with Lawler describing the move as absolutely unacceptable. Now, listen to this. The school building has 19 bedrooms, so this secondary school must have been used for boarding. It is 19 bedrooms, meaning the occupants will have to be housed 14 to a room. So they're going to squeeze 251 refugees into 19 bedrooms, 14 to a room, which is unbelievable. Saying that this could reach a boiling point scenario only meters from a school with hundreds of children aged between four and 13. This, if you can find me a more nutty story concerning madness with regards to housing uh, refugees or alleged refugees, Find one for me and I'll give you a thousand quid. This one takes the biscuit by far. Yeah, and it's a story as well. Uh, there's a parent here that's saying, obviously, that she's extremely concerned. So there must be an equivalent in Ireland of Ofsted. So I'd like to see why are Ofsted not going around there? Because I tell you what, would you be would would I be happy if it was my child and they're going to a school literally on the same grounds where 250 people who've had no proper checks and they're nearly going to be all men because they say they're coming from war uh, zones. Um, how how can that be a safeguarding? Um, like like no problem. Oh yeah, just just let them stay on the grounds of the school. What happens if something suddenly kicks off? Well, what happens if they get hold of a weapon? What happens mm -hmm. if one of them has a mental health problem? Oh, mm -hmm. but but it's okay uh, that that like here in 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 Reading and Caversham Primary School that Ruth Perry was told that her kids aren't safe. Yet it's safe to put two hundred and fifty men next to a primary school who haven't been checked. Sorry to get us that angry, but. This is where we are. This is the crazy world of 2023. It actually makes me really angry. And, uh, you know, I'm scared as well for those for those parents because, mm -hmm. you know, they've just got to put up with it. It says as well, during a recent meeting with the school in which another parent asked why this specific location had been chosen when Limerick has so many other vacant buildings, they were told by a county council representative that the council was unable to get fire regulation certificates on other buildings. So it goes back to basically, you know, more health and safety. So they're more worried about fire regulations that for the immigrants than they are about the safeguarding of children in the schools.
That's that's yeah, how and, it works now, Rick. And and listen, you know, of course, someone listening to our conversation, you know, people, you know, the lefties would say, "Oh, you're just racist. You just uh, don't want to help people that are in need." Okay, let's Not forget about they're coming from Ukraine. Let's let's say they're all coming from Ireland. Let's say they're Irish men being brought in from from a different part of Ireland, and they're all white, and they're all. Go I would still the same problem exists if you put two hundred and fifty men into the grounds of a primary school and house them, you know, 14 to a bedroom, Natalie, and you have a group of four to 13-year-old kids beside them, who knows what could happen? Maybe nothing will happen, but do you want to take that choice? And I remember, to, yeah. I, I remember a primary no, school when I... No, it's got nothing like to do said, with uh, the I wouldn't be men. happy in Limerick or here if it was 250 men who were, who were homeless from this Correct. country. Is it appropriate Correct. for 200 homeless men from all around Ireland to be placed in that Limerick school? No, because we don't know what they've been doing with their life. The children's safeguarding should come first and putting 250 men, whether they are local uh, residents or whether they are immigrants, is completely and utterly inappropriate. And 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 they're getting away with this because of virtue signalling, basically. that That's the way I see it. Would they get away with this if it was 200 uh, 250 homeless men they had got off the streets of Ireland. W would they get away with this, Rick? No, I don't believe they would. The 250 men would be kept on the streets of Ireland, Natalie, because they're yeah. being stepped over uh, and, you know, being uh, pushed down the housing ladder by preferential treatment given to people coming in. So as bad as these accommodations are and as wrong as it is to put them there, at least they still will have a roof over their heads, even if they're yeah. sleeping 14 day room. That's more than a lot of these, you know, 12,000 homeless Irish people have at this point in time. And also, you know, just on reflection, I can remember even when I was back at primary school in what, you know, the late 70s into the early 80s we had a you know a secure not security but you know there was a school gate and there was a a, a steel fence around the, the school grounds and at break times uh there was always uh people patrolling you know uh playground attendants patrolling teachers were out keeping an eye on all the kids and if anybody wandered onto the school grounds and i mean anybody and the school the primary school that i used to go to uh, could be used as a shortcut from a housing estate into the town center so you did get some people walking through there you know as a shortcut but they were always viewed with high suspicion because why is that adult man or that adult woman milling around in the school grounds you know why are they there and they would always have been uh, you know monitored let's just say that was one person wandering under the school grounds because it was full of kids you know naturally your instinct is to protect kids from everybody so the fact that this is being i can't i honestly uh, had to double check this one that it wasn't a yeah. parody account or that this is actually happening and it seems to be that it is it's just i don't know what 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 else they can do that would surpass but this in terms of insanity what would happen in this situation and if these men do get placed here with the the intention if one of them does attack one of the children if something does how on earth uh would leo varadkar or the government cover that up I mean that 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 would literally. I I mean I don't even know how they're going to get away get get away with it because any anything could happen. Um, I also uh, wanted to go slightly more positive to end the show in the online chat because I know like Rick, Rick likes his music. Uh, but mm -hmm. for Marley Bites, it says totally random. But if there was a theme tune for Natalie and Rick's show, what would you pick? I'm thinking Thunder by ACDC as the guitar oh. at the beginning oh. would be brilliant, especially with them both dressed in black. So I've just 
pick that comment because I know Rick would appreciate it because I'm pretty sure he's an ACDC fan. Oh, big time, big time. And I think you're referring to Thunderstruck. Yeah, that song's an absolute epic classic. And of course, one of the biggest selling rock albums of all time. I think it's about third biggest selling album of all time, period, was Back in Black by ACDC that was released back in 1980 following the death of their legendary uh, Australian and their Australian band as well. Don't forget uh, Bon Scott on TNT Radio. ACDC, one of their most famous songs is actually called TNT, uh, which stands for Dynamite Trinitrotolian. So actually when Mike Rand first uh, talked to me about TNT, you know, coming together and asked me would it be part of it. I was utterly attracted by TNT Radio. I just thought of the ACDC song and I thought I want to be involved with something that's named after an ACDC song, even though it's today's news talk. I always looked at it as a, a DC classic. And they were, of course, one of the biggest rock bands of all time, Healing from Australia. So there you go, a little bit of metal my, rock trivia for you here linked into TNT it's Radio. It's my homework for today because I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever really listened to ACDC oh, it's a little bit before my time. Oh, so, oh, oh, so, that's, oh, so I have to do that before oh, tomorrow's show. Otherwise oh, man. I'll send you me. some I'll send you some Spotify stuff through. Some of their yeah. lives, early live shows, anything up until 1980 was absolute rock uh, just as good as it gets. After 1980, they started to go into a little bit of decline, but from around about uh, the, the early to mid-70s up until 1980, they were the business. Still could hold them up against any rock band today when they were in their prime. Incredible band. You have to listen to and them. And a reminder uh, to everyone that despite all the doom and gloom, there is music out there. There is mm. uh, uh, the small joys out there. You can still enjoy things. Uh, so in case of Rick, that will be going to listen to a bit of ACDC. And hopefully for oh, yeah. me, I will enjoy it too. We've probably got time just to cover uh, a little story before uh, we go. Uh, yeah, we've heard of this before anyway. Uh, but Brits, and this is in terms of Brexit, will now have to give fingerprints on holiday to Europe. Holiday makers face travel chaos next autumn with the introduction of post-Brexit checks. Uh, It's going to be facial scans um, and uh, uh, fingerprints, personal data including first name, surname, date of birth, nationality, sex, travel documentation, blah, blah, blah. But basically, it's a bit like the start of digital ID and it's only for the countries. Uh, so if you're part of the EU, you won't have to do it. But of course, we left the EU. Uh, so it's going to have uh, massive, massive uh, queues. Uh, uh, it's going to take a long, long time. But of course, so an EU spokesman, and it does say the word spokesman, by the way, in the Daily Mail. That's very discriminatory of you, Daily Mail. You should have sp- spokesperson, not spokesman. They should know better by now in the virtue signaling world of 2023. Mm. Uh, but yeah, they're saying, no, no, it's not. It's going to make everything quicker and easier. Uh, but yeah, I think it will put people off traveling. And I think that's the idea as well, isn't it, Rick? It's going to be much harder to travel in Europe. It is. Uh, and the fingerprint scanning thing, again, uh, obviously they're gathering up biometric information and they can track you. And of course, they're getting a digital uh, record of your fingerprints. Normally, the only time you would ever have had to give a fingerprint is if you were taken to the police station and, yeah. you know, arrested for suspicion of committing a crime. They would have fingerprinted you and kept your data on record. But again, if it can hark back to Africa, this links in there too. This is not something new. If I, yeah, I can remember flying into, uh, you know, Entebbe Airport in Uganda in 2008 or 2008. 
2010, I think it was, they were uh, they take an iris shot of your eyes, a photograph of you there, and all your four fingers on your right hand. Uh, they get digitally scanned. They've been doing that over there, people coming in and out of East Africa now for whoo, 10 or 20 years now. So a lot of stuff, I think, Natalie, has been happening on the world stage that people, are, you know, they didn't think anything of yeah. it at the time because it was Africa. But, but they're actually way ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, digital monitoring but now can you imagine the amount of information they'll be able to glean if they rule that out uh, across Europe or across America you know this this scanning of fingerprints and iris recognition and all that business yeah they're moving creeping the totalitarian yeah. tiptoe is well underway uh, it is well underway and by the way the live chat in case you miss it uh, people yeah. are excited that you might be finally getting exposed to a little bit of ACDC and my respect Woo levels have also gone up through the roof uh, uh, coming out. And I've, I've made no secret of it, by the way. I'm a huge ACDC fan. My first ever cassette tape that I bought uh, was Let There Be Rock by ACDC back in the 70s. And I still listen to that album regularly to this day, what, 40 years later. So that's how good it is. Now, you're in for a treat today, by the way. Woohoo! That's a good good way to end it on. Uh, I'm going to be a uh, 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 listener going on to Spotify, uh, listening to the first one I've listened to is the fun one that Miley Bite suggested. Uh, that's my homework for the day. So uh, we will discuss it on tomorrow's show. It's a must. And uh, make sure you carry on listening uh, to Rick. He's obviously here for the next hour at Locked and Loaded. I will be back here at the same time tomorrow. I have been Natalie Chill. I will be listening to ACDC today. This has been Open Line and we are TNT Radio.